0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is an intentionally inclusive hub of sex-positive resources. Please visit www.spfpp.org and you can donate to the nonprofit. There are two options available there for donations. Actually, three, if you include the Patreon. Primarily, you can donate through PayPal and Venmo. This podcast episode, we are with Tyler of the Trek Coalition. Trek, coalition, Trek coalition. All right, so we connect through one of my best friends from Houston, Tyler, <laughs> and you both yeah. had the same initials, so that's funny. <laughs> yeah, Tyler W. Tyler W. Both of our dads are Doctor Jeff W. Fun fact. No way. Yeah. Y'all are like the <laughs> same person almost. And when I was talking to you, I was like, "Damn, this dude sounds so much like Tyler." <laughs> <laughs> just like with the mannerisms and uh, uh, like the stretching of words, it was it was cool. And then when I talked to him about you, he was like, "Yeah, we're kind of like the same person, except he's got 3.9 GPA." <laughs> yeah, yeah was, I, I did that. Tyler, he's my he's my good buddy from high school, though. Yeah. Um, you know, just you just grow up grow up with some people, and and those are your best friends for life. So, oh, you yeah. are. I'll say I have maybe four of those. I've got four of those uh, people who like I call up and if I need anything, they got me. And Tyler's yeah. worked his way into that space in just a very short period of time. Great dude, great dude. Yeah, he yeah. speaks similarly of you. This would be the one episode of the podcast he doesn't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, this podcast episode is a little bit different. This is more along the lines of um, how I spoke about bringing on sexual wellness related organizations tyler's doing a very interesting thing we had a phone call the other day and we talked about how what we were doing there's a little bit of an intersection there and by the end of the conversation i was pumped to have him on here to talk about his organization and what it is that he's doing for underserved communities and i I, actually i'll just let you talk man let's talk about the Trek coalition what what is it sure Shrek Coalition is a nonprofit uh, organization, 51C3.
1: I'm in medical school, by the way. This is my third year. I just took a year off and I started this organization my first year. Kind of started off just getting uh, groups together, going down and, and helping out in country nonprofits um, in different regions of the world. One of those regions that we focus on mainly is Ecuador. Since then, we've been down to Ecuador about four or five times with various trips. We've had done ophthalmological procedures, um, we've had general medicine clinics. And uh, we just kind of bolster the efforts of what these in-country organizations are doing down there. And, um, you know, that's kind of how we started. And for me, anytime you go somewhere new, you kind of are out of your comfort zone, right? And um, the people that you interact with, they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know where you're coming from. They don't know those things that you build up around you that kind of like – define who you are in your day to day. So when you go, people just kinda look at you directly as a human being and every conversation you have and every everything that you say builds your perspective of the person in front of you. For me going on these trips, that's kinda like the first thing I fell in love with is being exposed in that way and then having to learn how to like kind of redefine myself in a new situation. You know, since I'm on medical school obviously um that's kind of the route I took it and I started trying to build these trips, with, the, obviously with the help of a couple people as well. And, uh, you know, now today we're trying to build out a health information system to connect a few nonprofits to basically do cervical cancer screening in that region. As you can imagine, women's health, it's a sensitive subject in the population that we work in. And that's one of the things that we talked about that was kind of an intersection. You know, the way you view the world, too, I think is incredible how you feel like every interaction, it maybe is kind of special in that way, too. Yeah, so I mean, basically, with the cervical cancer screening program, we started, it started because we went down a few times, gotten some conversations, we saw how these clinics were run, brought medications there, trying to kind of bolster these efforts, and then one thing we realized is we tried to do a small study on these populations, and we couldn't even do it because everything was kept with paper charts, and we couldn't get it sent to us, and we don't even know if we were seeing patients twice or one time. And these nonprofits, they need something like this. They want something like this so they can better track their stuff, show people what they're doing and get more support in that way. And then also just provide better care to these people so that we know who we're seeing a second time. So that's kind of where we came in and we're focusing on cervical cancer screening initially just because you know, it's a real focused problem. It's an important problem. Women's health and global medicine, that's one of those um, facets that people people really try to attack because it affects the health of communities. In many ways, you know, when we go to these clinics, that could be cervical cancer screening for these women. We do talk about safe sex practices too, because in these communities, really, I don't think it's really something that's said. I don't know if I would call it a a taboo subject, but it's not something that people are openly talking about. And a lot of these women, especially the the older women, this is really kind of the only space that they can they can get that. And it's kind of one of the coolest things we do is intervene in that way because. You know, it's such a special thing to offer a space like that, that hadn't existed before. And we try to break that barrier and, and we give out condoms and talk to women about birth control. We even have, there's the implantable birth control that you can do and it lasts for a couple of years even. So some women have even done that, you know, it's not every, every woman you want to make sure that you can have follow up with this stuff, but it's slowly, but surely you kind of figure out how these
0: different communities work and you kind of try to get in there. Yeah. And, um, Do what you can with what you have. We talk about visiting these places and providing these services. I imagine that there's a language barrier. How are you able to sort through that? Like, there's a different culture. There's uh, the, what's the language that you use around sexual health when there's already like this struggle to have language around it? Yeah. We're not only dealing with like kind of a social barrier, but
1: also a cultural barrier and also a literal language barrier. You're right, they can all be challenges. We're lucky that a lot of the women's health providers that we've had have been able to speak Spanish. If not, we are able to provide translators, which helps with that first barrier, even though it's never the same as just talking to someone face to face. And then in these indigenous tribes in, in the Andean mountains of Ecuador, sometimes these women, they only speak. Kichwa, actually, which is a native language for these tribes. So when that's the case, sometimes you go from Spanish to Kichwa, Kichwa to Spanish, Spanish to English, and it's like a three times thing. And then beyond that, you're right, like overcoming kind of the cultural block there, I think we kind of do that by just offering that service. You know, we have a women's health provider. And then when they sit down and you and you tell the women about they know that. And then they can go in that space, and that's their space to talk about it. And it kind of, you know, removes anybody else that would be maybe interfering with that space. So I would say that's kind of like how we get past that. And then lastly, just actually having the conversation, which can be hard because, even in general, if someone's not comfortable with it, especially with the language barrier. And good thing, you know, our doctors that that's something they're good with. And they don't beat around the bush. They're not disrespectful and they're definitely not gonna ask you to do more than you're comfortable with. Of course, you gotta be comfortable with everything that's happening. But they also speak plainly about how they view sexual practices and how, you know, it leads into your health. You know, it opens A lot of times, just an honest conversation, and women feel comfortable saying that they um, want to have an examination or not, or just talk about things, or at least broaching the subject of birth control for a woman in rural Ecuador who has now three kids and has been married for a couple years and maybe will continue to have kids and maybe doesn't want to have kids because now you're going to have more kids and that's a barrier sometimes you know in poverty just even that so um, even just broaching the conversation so it's not all done in one go but there's layers to it
0: and I think that over time can kind of build something that works for the situation you're in now what was the situation there before you began your nonprofit organization and being able to come over there and provide these services That's a good question. So we're lucky that there are some organizations on
1: the ground in Ecuador run by Ecuadorian people with a really big heart to help their community. And there's efforts that they've been making for, you know, maybe a decade or so. They rely on organizations like mine to bring resources and human resources, medications, and to be able to staff missions to these local communities because they can't do it with their own crew. But they do have an in-country organization. We work with, uh, An organization called Partners of Andean Community Health, it's called Patch, and they have an in-country sister company that has a clinic and sets up these medical mobile caravans as well. So we work with them, and so I guess to answer your question is, things were moving along. And people are trying to do good things. And we saw that. And we saw that that was happening. And we just wanted to get in there and make it better because that's the beauty of nonprofits and the beauty of this space is the goal is to work together to make uh, the world a better place. And um, so that's kind of what we're doing. And as we continue to build this relationship, we found different ways to support them and different ways to really maximize what's going on in that area and right now is one of the things is to build out a uh, cervical cancer screening program in this electronic health record system to track that and better do it for
0: this community. All right. And what are some resources that you need in order to get people the cervical cancer screenings and the technology database in order to be able to help?
1: First things first, I mean if you're gonna be doing this you're gonna need um, the personnel and you need people to come in and actually do the cervical cancer screening that we can do and then beyond that it's just support you know whether that's monetarily or you know just kind of reaching out and getting the word out there i mean it all helps and sure you know this the larger network goes there more opportunities there are and um, people kind of start getting behind it and things start moving forward so right now basically we're in the stage where we have a prototype of this system and we're going down in august and we're going to test it and then from there we're looking to raise money to build out a full information system that has the capabilities to do the cerebral cancer screening program and then from there we put together teams of people that go down and volunteer their time to do these cancer screenings and to see these women. I mean, I would say
0: that's generally what we need to do this, and it's very possible. And then um, you told me a story yesterday. Dr. Maria Vasquez Sanchez. That's not the name, is it? Yeah. Oh, Dr. that was the name. Sanchez. Holy shit. I can't believe Listen. I said it. <laughs> you got a good memory, man. I felt like that's the essence of what's happening here. Oftentimes, what I come across um, is that we look at a person's condition and we think that's what needs to be healed when in reality there's so much more beneath that, around that, over that, that really needs healing itself. And so I want you to tell me about when uh, the doctor was able to come in and communicate with the woman who uh, I think you weren't able to communicate with. You, You remember the story I'm talking about? Yeah, so basically these clinics the way they
1: work is we have a few doctors and then a lot of times students will be seeing patients and they'll be interviewing them and they'll do the whole thing and then at the very end the doctor comes over and they present to the doctor kind of the information about what they found and then they come to a conclusion and and get them you know what they think they need so I was a student and I was taking um, this woman's history and she's you know just kind of your typical indigenous ecuadorian 75 year old lady like cute probably like four eleven, you know wrinkly like face from years and years of working on the farm and they're wearing ponchos they got their putting in their ponchos they got their skirts and their hats and they're all done up and they're coming in to their day the doctor's office <laughs> so i'm talking to her and she's telling me she has pain in her shoulders and wherever else i'm like okay you know so i'm asking questions about all her pain and um And then finally, I'm ready, and I I present to Dr. Maria Vega-Sanchez, and I tell her this is our lady. She's a 73-year-old young lady, and and she has X, Y, and Z. And then she's like, okay. And then Dr. Maria Vega-Sanchez starts talking to her, and I'm listening really intently, and I see these expressions changing on their faces, and they're speaking in Spanish now. And I I can understand here and there. I can follow, but I'm I'm not uh, perfectly fluent. And, And... You know, and then this lady, she's, you know, I see her kind of start to cry. And I'm feeling this, too, because I'm I'm following now, if not in language, I can see something moving to a direction that I wasn't talking about before. And Dr. Maria Sanchez was so beautifully with this woman and was putting her her hand on her leg and, and just kind of like rubbing her lightly and making her feel. Uh, good in that, in that sad situation, and basically, I talked to Dr. Mary Sanchez Sanchez after, and she's telling me that this, this woman, she, um, you know, she's from this village, and her daughters went away to the big city, and she just feels lonely um, in this space, and like, doesn't have anybody to talk to, and um, it's just amazing that we came all this way to Ecuador to try to to maybe do something for this woman or heal this woman and and what she needed was just a space to talk about you know how, how she was feeling and her struggles in her every day and it was just so real for me and just like sharing that space and kind of crying with this this woman it was it's kind of surreal and i'm just grateful for um, dr maria Vega sanchez too to show me you know real compassion that that a doctor can have so that was really that was an um uh, you
0: know, really touching and personal experience for me. Yeah, and the reason I wanted you to share that story is because I think that that speaks volumes to what the Trek Coalition is all about. I think that while, yeah, you want to do more for treating cervical cancer, like that story about the importance of having good personnel and just good humans there to heal and help humans is what you're about that's what we need we need more of and all we can do is our best in supporting those efforts so um if you're someone who's listening and you have the means to be able to support uh there will be space for this on the something positive for positive people website spfpp.org in the directory we'll link to a uh, this podcast episode will link to a little bit of a description about Trek coalition and how you can get involved there but um this the story moved me i mean it moved me and uh you have my support and hopefully you have the support of the spfpp community uh to help you get the resources that you all need and be able to serve this underserved community thank you thank you
1: courtney i'm I'm, I'm grateful for you having me on this show and you know just kind of speaks speaks volumes to your mission because um you kind of started out with the idea of destigmatizing um, kind of STIs, and and now you're it's just like really what we're branching into is just human connection, I think, which is the root of it all, and and just creating these spaces where people feel comfortable sharing and and kind of like being in it together. So, and I think it's it's really cool that we, even though
0: there might be some differences, we you know we found that um, similarity. Yeah, for sure all right how can people find you all right yeah you can check us out at trekcoalition.org, dot org we got a
1: website look at it look us up we got uh hopefully we can we can get this podcast on there too um we're on instagram trek coalition facebook same thing and uh twitter as well so we're gonna we're gonna be on there you can you can check us out there um and guys any yeah any support at all that's you know we're we're very grateful for
0: anything so Thanks for anyone that listened. In. Courtney, <laughs> thank you. Perfect. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to leave us with that we may not have covered? I think
1: I'm good.
0: Perfect. Thank you to Waxo for their ongoing support of Something Positive for Positive People. If you haven't checked it out yet, it is a digital sex-positive magazine. And I've been able to submit a lot of great articles, great content on there. So you should definitely go and check it out whenever you get a chance. Most recently, I've written three things that I wish I knew about my herpes diagnosis early. Like when I was diagnosed, there were three things that I think were probably more useful to me than anything else in hindsight. Of course, and those three things I wrote about in detail, but it started with acceptance, disclosure, and education. All three things that I had to do for myself before I went out and found myself being at a good place with my diagnosis. As you know, we moved the podcast over to the... Something Positive for Positive People website So we're no longer uh, Being hosted by Podbean You can still find the podcast on Podbean But you can also come directly to the website SPFPP.org And then click podcast And you can scroll through and listen to Every episode of Something Positive For Positive People I'm so pumped about that I'm excited and proud of myself for Taking that six days to figure out How to do that and learn the efficiency of what that now means moving forward for the podcast one it means that I don't have to pay what I was paying before for the subscription service to get the analytics and know where the listeners are what they're listening to and all that kind of stuff so Um, I also appreciate everybody who's taken the surveys because I get a lot of great insight from you all. It was great to hear how much Something Positive for Positive People has helped people from education and understanding stigma to the self-empowerment piece to feeling like you belong to a community. And that's what we're here for. We're here to serve the people who are navigating a diagnosis and don't necessarily know what to do next. So here's a good starting point, and I want to be sure to everybody in the right direction. Everyone's in a different place. Some people are possibly going to need therapy. Some people are going to just need to listen to some of these other experiences throughout the podcast episodes. And some people just may want to join the community and get to a place where they're able to socialize with other people who just simply understand what it is that you're going through. So I get that. Um, Now that the podcast has moved over, um, please subscribe to, like, rate, and review this podcast. Any of those comments that you leave under an episode, if you appreciate, enjoyed, or liked an episode, please leave a comment. I gotta go through, I just found out today, uh, thankfully Janelle pointed this out to me from the STD project, that I should probably get an SEO plug-in this whole time, I'm thinking that my website's like, good to go and popping up on Google it's on the second page but um, the stuff that's in front of it is just the press and any media coverage podcast episodes those kinds of things uh, are in front of it so even when you search something positive for positive people you don't see it on the first page so visit the website spfpp.org and you can check out the podcast there leave us ratings reviews you can leave us money for donations um i mentioned this before about std engage i'm working to get out there in november so that i can present the survey results from uh the the listeners who answered those two questions on whether or not you experienced depression, self-harm tendencies, suicide ideation, or attempted suicide as a result of your herpes diagnosis, and then if something positive for positive people has helped you, then how. Um, I spoke to the people on Tuesday who were looking over the abstract submissions and it was a great conversation. So they're talking about Uh, potentially partnering to do something with a project that involves us touching more on stories around the curable STIs because these are becoming harder to treat. So your syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia. um, And I'm looking forward to hopefully furthering a discussion about that because this could lead to some funding that's going to allow for us to do a lot more good stuff with Something Positive for Positive People. And it also means better audio equipment maybe (laughs) Um, if that's in the budget so we'll see what happens just continue to send the good vibes continue to rate, review subscribe to, share the podcast because all of that stuff now especially after essentially starting from scratch like now we've got however many downloads have taken place since I migrated the podcast over and subscribers and all of that but the numbers really don't mean anything to me the numbers are there for me to communicate those to the people who can potentially help us out and just justify whatever spend, whatever budget allocated um, for whatever reason that allows for an easier collaboration. So thank you all for your continued support. Thank you for sticking around and working with me through this transition period because it's been a challenge. And I just thank you so, so much for your support. Till next time, stay sex positive.